Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Florida. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Thirty-three-year-old Nicole Montalvo was the kind of girl who had a million best friends. She was strong, she was confident, and she was kind. If you went to school with her, you were still in touch with her. If you worked with her, you hung out with her outside of work. I mean, she was the kind of girl who made friends and kept friends. Nicole worked her ass off, sometimes working two waitressing jobs at a time in an effort to provide for her eight-year-old son an eight-year-old son who was the center of her entire universe. Everywhere she went, he went with her. Everything she did, she did for him. She was the kind of mom who would sign up for every classroom event just to be able to spend a little more time with him when he was at school. Nicole was married and to her son's father, but it wasn't the kind of marriage that made life easier. Her marriage wasn't the place where she could rest in hard times or even her happy place. To put it blatantly, Nicole was married to her abuser. In June of 2016, Click Orlando reports that Nicole filed a restraining order against her husband, Chris Rivera. She alleges that after they got into an argument, he grabbed her by the hair, dragged her into the bedroom, slapped her multiple times, and headbutted her. According to the outlet, Nicole had visible injuries to her face, arm, hip, and back when she filed this police report. Following the attack, Nicole and Chris stayed together, but their marriage, while being legally binding, was more like an on-again, off-again relationship. No matter what happened, Chris always seemed to find a way to weasel his way back in, either through charm or fear. Two years after that first reported attack on Nicole, Chris's abuse escalated, and the word escalated honestly doesn't even begin to describe it. On October 3rd, 2018, My News 13 reports that Chris sent Nicole a text message claiming that his truck battery was dead and that he needed a ride. Nicole picked him up and they drove for a while until they pulled over on the side of a desolate road. That's when the outlet reports that a woman they both knew pulled up beside them in another car. She was on the side of a desolate road in the car with her abuser and someone else who knew they were going to be there pulled up beside them. I can only imagine the fear that went through Nicole's veins at this moment. After pulling up beside Nicole and Chris, My News 13 reports that the woman ripped Nicole out of her car. She was pulled out with so much force that her shirt was ripped in the process. 
Nicole was thrown to the ground while Chris got on top of her chest and the other woman shoved a cloth into her mouth. When Nicole tried spitting out the cloth, it was shoved back in and her mouth and nose were covered. It's reported that Chris then repeatedly slapped Nicole just like he had in the 2016 attack, all because he didn't like that she was texting a friend and accused her of taking his son. I'm pretty sure that any mother would keep their son from this shitbag, but that's not even the worst of it. The outlet reports that after Chris slapped her, he started going through her phone, got upset, grabbed Nicole's head, and tried to break her neck. Nicole was eventually allowed to get up, and when she did, it's reported that the other woman allegedly held a knife up to Nicole's neck and threatened to slit her throat if she told anyone about what happened. After all of this, Chris made Nicole drive him to a gas station with the other woman following behind and told her exactly what she was supposed to tell her parents. Chris instructed Nicole to tell her parents that two black guys jumped her at a red light. He told her that if she went to the police or told anyone what really happened, he and this woman would come after her and she would be killed. After being given her instructions, Chris made her drop him off at a motel, and Nicole gave zero fucks about his threats and went straight to the police, who noted that she still had dried blood on her mouth when she made the report. My News 13 reports that law enforcement went to track down Chris and this other woman and found them, but Chris wasn't at the motel anymore. He and the other woman were in her car right around the block from Nicole's house. Chris was charged but took a plea deal where he pled no contest to some of the charges associated with Nicole's kidnapping and assault. Battery, tampering with a witness or informant by intimidation or threats, and possession of a stolen debit card. He had literally taken $40 from Nicole and her debit card in the process of everything else he had done to her that night. His plea deal got him eight whole months in jail. Eight months, that's all he got after clearly planning an attack and trying to break Nicole's neck. The other woman in the attack did not take a plea deal and went to trial, and I shit you not, she was found not guilty. Nicole's abuse spanned years, and I want to encourage everyone listening to this to fight any urge to ask the question, why didn't she just leave? Because it's not that easy. It never is. Abusers break down any sense of self-worth their victim has, and they do this to accomplish multiple things. One of them being they want their victim to feel like they can't do any better, that this is as good as it gets for them, that no one could ever possibly love them except for their abuser, as if their abuser is doing them some type of favor by being with them. Many abusers also gaslight their victims into thinking that maybe they deserved it, which, let's be clear, no victim of domestic violence ever deserves it. As someone who experienced this in a previous relationship, abusers can and will find a way to make you think that maybe you did deserve it. Maybe you did something that made them hit you. Maybe you did something that made them choke you. Maybe you did something that made them twist your hands behind your back and push you into a wooden staircase. That maybe if you changed, maybe your abuser would stop abusing you. But it is never the victim's fault. 
When kids are involved, like in Nicole's case, there's an added level of manipulation. Abusers will often threaten to have their victim's children taken away if they leave, leaving their victim to feel like they have to stay in order to protect their children. Abuse is physical. Abuse is emotional. Abuse is manipulative. And leaving is never as simple as it sounds. The only way out of an abusive relationship is to leave, but leaving is the most dangerous period of time in a domestic violence situation. According to an article written by The Guardian, 50 to 75% of abused women who are murdered were killed after leaving their partner. And Nicole entered that danger zone in February of 2019. While Chris was in jail for the 2018 attack, Nicole got her power back and filed for divorce. She felt safe. He was in jail. He couldn't hurt her anymore, and she could start over. She was finally getting out, and everyone who knew and loved her was so excited and so proud of her. On her Facebook, you could see this transformation of empowerment. She would post song lyrics like, This is my fight song, Take Back My Life song, and Give me scars, give me pain, then they'll say to me, There goes a fighter. And I'm really sorry, I can't get past this part without crying. Nicole was a fighter. She endured for so long, she survived, and she was fighting for herself and her son. Her sense of safety would only last so long, though, because a few months after filing for divorce, Chris was released from jail. He was given a no-contact order against Nicole, had to wear a GPS ankle monitor to wear while he was on house arrest at his mom and dad's house, and given two years of probation. The no-contact order wasn't exactly a no-contact order, though. He was allowed to communicate with Nicole as long as it was through a co-parenting app. How this guy was even allowed to entertain the idea of parenting after what he had done is beyond me, but that's where they were. In early October of 2019, Nicole wrote a letter to the judge who'd issued the protective order and asked for something that no one saw coming. According to Click Orlando, she asked the judge to loosen the protective order, saying that it had been difficult for them to move on with their lives because they weren't allowed to communicate as a family, and that she had a lot of trust in her in-laws because no matter what happened, they were always there for her and her son. A lot of people questioned what motivated her decision to write this letter and wondered if it was genuine or if maybe she was pressured into writing it, but in the end, it wouldn't matter if the request was granted or not, because a few weeks after writing it, she vanished. On the evening of Monday, October 21st, 2019, Nicole drove over to her in-law's house on Hickson Avenue in St. Cloud, Florida, where her estranged husband Chris was on house arrest, to drop off their eight-year-old son. According to Click Orlando, their son was going to spend the night there and Nicole was going to pick him up from school the following afternoon, but she never showed. Nicole was a no-call, no-show for work that day, and when it came time to pick her son up from school, he waited and waited and waited, but his mommy never came. Friends and family tried relentlessly to get in touch with her, but they couldn't. She wasn't home, her car wasn't even there, and her phone had been turned off. 
Knowing how dedicated she was to her son and how much she had gone through to protect him, they knew that something was wrong and reported her missing. The sheriff's department knew Nicole's history with Chris and were immediately concerned for her safety. They hit the ground running trying to find her and started with the last place she was seen, at her in-law's house where her estranged husband Chris was staying. But according to the Orlando Sentinel, neither Chris nor his parents, Angel and Wanda, wanted to cooperate with the investigation. Their son and grandson had been left at his school. His mother was missing. The last place she was seen was at their house and they didn't want to cooperate with the investigation. This is the fastest way to make literally everyone think you're involved. Regardless, law trumps cooperation and law enforcement got access to the Rivera's entire five-acre property, which included several trailers, additional structures, one of which was almost as big as their house, and a pond. Hickson Avenue is in a really rural area with houses sitting on big plots of land on a quiet, narrow street without so much as a line dividing the lanes. But on Wednesday, October 23, 2019, law enforcement vehicles lined either side of the road, up and down, and on the property itself. All five acres were being searched one inch at a time, including several areas that looked like they'd been recently dug up with huge piles of dirt beside them. And those areas of unearthed dirt weren't based in any central part of the property. They were all over, some in the front, some in the back, some in the middle, and one in the very back left-hand corner behind one of the several structures they'd built. On the same day deputies started their search on the Rivera property, they also located Nicole's car. According to My News 13, Nicole's car was found abandoned on Big Sky Boulevard, another residential street with big homes on big plots of land just eight miles north of the Rivera property. Click Orlando reports that the door to her car was slightly open, the dome light was on, a blue latex glove was found near the trunk, and another glove was found across the street. Now deputies weren't just processing the Rivera property, they were also processing Nicole's car and everything found around it. They wanted to see if they could find anything that might tell them where Nicole was or what happened to her, and if something had happened to her, who might have done it? The search and the processing of her car spanned the entire day, but the sun went down and there were still no signs of Nicole. Detectives asked for anyone who'd had any contact with her in the week prior to her disappearance to please contact the department. The search of the Rivera property continued in full force on Thursday, and Click Orlando reports that detectives were seen behind that back structure with shovels. It was cordoned off with police tape and a tent covering sifters was set up right beside it. Everyone watching knew what that meant and that it didn't look good, but they still held out hope that maybe since there still hadn't been any word of her being found, that this was just part of a thorough investigation and maybe, just maybe, Nicole would still be found alive. While the detectives continued to dig, Click Orlando took a moment to speak with one of the Rivera's neighbors, and what they had to say was concerning. The neighbor told the outlet that the Rivera's burnt trash a lot, which isn't uncommon. But what is uncommon is the fact that he'd recently seen them digging in their yard with a bulldozer, a whole 
ass bulldozer. For reference, bulldozers are generally more than 35 feet long and weigh thousands and thousands of pounds. Who bulldozes their yard? The neighbor goes on to say that he hadn't had much interaction with Chris Rivera because he was a questionable character and that this entire thing is fishy. The sun went down Thursday night with no signs of Nicole, but deputies didn't stop their search. Instead, Click Orlando reports that local law enforcement parked their full-blown command center on the Rivera property and brought in generators to light up the property while they continued to dig and dig and dig. And they weren't digging with shovels anymore. They were digging with a backhoe. If you're anything like me, you might be wondering which of the yellow tractory things this is, and it's the gigantic one, the one with the long arm in the bucket at the bottom that can dig, lift, and dump more than 1,000 pounds of dirt at a time. After three days of digging, the sheriff's department announced that they were going to be holding a press conference, and everyone's hearts sank. On Friday, October 25th, 2019, the sheriff held a press conference and announced that during the search of the Rivera property, they found what looks like human remains. The use of the word looks like stuck out to a lot of people. What did they mean by it looks like human remains? Nicole had only been missing for four days. Sure, it's warm in Florida, but even still, what could have happened in four days for them to not be able to tell if the remains they found were even human? He continues on to say that the suspected remains found are in a state where they can't even determine whether they're from a male or a female. What is happening? Were only certain parts of her body found? And even if that's the case, what makes the remains so unrecognizable that law enforcement can't tell if they're from a male or a female, let alone whether or not they're even human at all? By 4.01 p.m. that afternoon, Fox 35 caught the medical examiner's van leaving the scene with the suspected remains, and everyone was left to wait for any confirmation. Were they human remains? Had they found Nicole? While everyone waited for answers, Chris Rivera was immediately arrested, but not for murder. According to WFTV, Chris was taken into custody on a probation violation and violation of a domestic injunction, meaning he had violated that protective order against Nicole. According to Click Orlando, Chris admitted to texting and calling Nicole on October 18th, explicitly violating the stipulation that he could only contact her through that co-parenting app. What came out of left, right, and center field was the fact that Chris wasn't the only person arrested that day. His father, Angel Rivera, Nicole's father-in-law, the one she said was always there for her and her son, was arrested as well. But again, it wasn't for murder. WFTV reports that while searching the Rivera's home, deputies found a Powerade bottle in Angel's dresser drawer that was filled with 75 9mm rounds of ammunition. Having bullets in a Powerade bottle isn't illegal in and of itself. You can have them in pickle jars, shoes, old umbrellas, wherever the fuck you want. Unless, of course, you're a felon, which Angel was. So he was taken into custody, but not to jail. Yet.
According to the outlet, Angel had himself a little angina after he got arrested and made his way on over to the hospital instead of the jail. But that gave everyone a little time to dig into his criminal history and figure out what exactly made him a felon. And dear sweet mother of dragons, take your pick. Florida is one of the most lax states when it comes to making arrest records public, and I found several arrest reports for Angel from the St. Cloud Police Department one of which was in 2006 when Angel was arrested for child abuse and battery. In the report, it alleges that in 2005, a young girl was removed from her home while DCF case was being investigated. She was originally placed with a family friend for a few weeks until that friend could no longer care for her family. Someone, the name is redacted, reportedly recommended that the little girl be placed in the care of her mechanic because she trusted him. And yes, you heard that right. Angel Rivera was her mechanic. The details of this report are really graphic and involve a child, so I'm going to refrain from reading them. But on August 6, 2016, Angel Rivera was charged with child abuse and battery and given a whopping $1,000 bond. $1,000. That's it. I looked to see if I could find the results of these charges and whether or not he was convicted or did any time, but I couldn't find anything. However... That was just the beginning. There were other charges of assault, violating a protective order, and stealing an air conditioning unit literally off of someone's house. He'd stolen the air conditioning unit and put it into the back of his truck that was adorned with his ministry's logo on it, which made him and the unit pretty easy to track down. Angel, the truck, and the air conditioner were all found at his church. And yes, I said church. Dude owned a ministry. There was also a report of Angel allegedly pulling a knife on Chris, his son, during a dispute in the middle of the night over a different air conditioner that was plugged into his and Nicole's then-trailer on the Rivera property. Not only had Nicole endured a relentlessly abusive relationship and marriage with the father of her child, she endured it with her in-laws as well. While neither Chris nor Angel were formally charged with anything relating to Nicole's death, they were both publicly named as persons of interest, which came as a shock to no one. I'd venture to say that the lowest standard of considering someone a person of interest was not only met, but exceeded with these two. That being said, some did wonder why, if either or both of them killed Nicole, would they then take her son to school but fail to pick him up the next afternoon, knowing it would set off alarm bells. But frankly, they're both morons who clearly care about no one but themselves. Neither of them have any respect for, well, damn near anyone, let alone the law. So failing to so much as pick up their child or grandchild from school doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities for them. Chris and Angel were locked up at this point, one in jail and one in a hospital room until his convenient bout of chest pain subsided. But the search of the Rivera property continued. It literally had not stopped. This wasn't one of those cases where the charges were pressed and the scene was cleared. The search of the Rivera property only amped up following the arrests. My News 13 reported that not only were canines brought to the property the next morning, but first responders were also draining the pond. 
Additionally, FTV's 11 o'clock news reported that police were asking for surveillance footage from the area of Big Sky Avenue where Nicole's car was found. The investigation continued into the night, and the following day, six days after Nicole was last seen, the sheriff held another press conference. On October 27, 2019, the sheriff confirmed that the remains found on the Rivera property were in fact human and they did belong to Nicole. The search for Nicole had officially switched from a missing persons case to a homicide investigation. And in one of the most passionate deliveries I have ever seen by a law enforcement official, the sheriff stated, No matter how minute a role you may have played in this heinous murder, we are closing in on you. Every one of you. There is no rock you can hide under, no pond we can't drain to find the evidence we need to substantiate a guilty verdict in this case. But Chris and Angel were already in jail. Was this sheriff talking about them hiding under a rock? Or are there more people involved in this? By the end of that same day, the continued investigation into Nicole's murder led to yet another gruesome discovery, and a second press conference was held. In this second press conference, the sheriff revealed that they'd executed a second search warrant on another property owned by the Rivera family just one single minute away and found again what they believe to be human remains. With that, he stated that both Chris and Angel had now been charged with the first-degree premeditated murder of their wife and daughter-in-law, Nicole Montalvo. But the investigation was still far from over. In fact, he said that they were just scratching the tip of the surface. He told Fox News that the state of Nicole's body, which had been disassembled, was in one of the worst conditions he'd ever seen. He continued on to say that while her cause of death had still yet to be determined, people were going to be horrified when her autopsy results come out. This sheriff had without a doubt been personally and emotionally impacted by the investigation into Nicole's murder. He tells the outlet that this guy had already tried to snap Nicole's neck and he got a plea deal and says that domestic violence shouldn't be a misdemeanor. It should be a felony. Say it louder for the people in the back. The sheriff also told Fox News that this investigation could extend to other missing people. They had already found some of Nicole's remains that they couldn't initially confirm were human remains on the property the Rivera's lived at, and then found more presumed human remains at a second property they owned a minute down the road. Two people had already been charged with her murder, two very, very bad people. What more could there be? Who else could there be? Well, on November 1st, a third person was arrested, and it wouldn't be the last. There are so many moving parts to Nicole's story, from the domestic violence to the people arrested so far and those arrested that we haven't talked about yet. There are witnesses, evidence, beef with law enforcement officials, and leaving any of it out just wouldn't do her case justice, so this case is going to have to be a two-parter. 
Nicole Montalvo's entire story deserves to be told and told in its entirety, from her fight for freedom to her fight for justice. If you're experiencing any form of domestic abuse, please reach out. The Domestic Violence Hotline is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Thehotline.org also offers countless resources, including live chat options. Domestic abuse is terrifying and isolating, but know that you are not alone. You are loved and there is help available. For all photos pertaining to part one of Nicole's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about her case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you part two of Nicole's case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. 